0: When you're smiling Hey you, Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion Kind of like my voice, but in a can No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles Bubbly, crack a smile Hello movie lovers and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I'm going to be doing a the Crow tribute to Brandon Lee. Then I'm going to be talking about the Ozarks Season 3. If you're worried about spoilers or anything like that, you're not going to find them over here or anything like that. You can go on ahead and find somebody else for that if you have already seen it. But this is for people that haven't seen Season 3 of the Ozarks. And I'm also wanting to introduce them into watching the Ozarks if people haven't seen the show. So I'm going to be talking about that. Then I'm going to be dropping down to Ghostbusters Afterlife and Morbius getting delayed over at Sony. Then Hobbs and Shaw gets a sequel, which is not a surprise since that movie made $760 million off of the first one. So they decided to green light it for a sequel. Then Josh Borland goes on ahead and calls the MCU, which is Marvel Cinematic Universe at Marvel Studios... To see what his chances is to play cable in the MCU. And then Lock and Key gets renewed for a second season. If you're not familiar with Lock and Key, this is actually Joe based off of Joe Hill's graphic novel, which is he's also related to Stephen King's. That's actually Stephen King's son. And he wrote a graphic novel, and then Netflix winded up buying the rights to it to where the he, they can go on ahead and do a TV series off of it. So let's go on ahead and talk about the crow. And as everybody knows, if you've been following my podcast for a long time, or just over the last year and everything, um, The Crow is one of my favorite movies of all time. It ranks up there with The Godfather, Goodfellas, and a couple of other movies. But the reason why I have this on a high list is because the movie is just so damn good. And what I mean by that is you have music by Nine Inch Nails, you have stone temple pilots that's actually on the soundtrack you have a great alternative rock soundtrack that's going on an indie soundtrack at that too since you have nine inch nails who was mostly into indie music at that time and aside from that brandon lee which is bruce lee's son did a fantastic job of playing eric draven he i thought he did a very good job delivering the lines that need to be said with that, I even thought the director actually got the best work out of him for that movie. And Then the perfect blend of the darkness with the rain and everything. is just like the Crow comic by James Obarn. And not only that, but, you know, I just want to say this. James Obarn is probably one of the best guys as far as writing goes for graphic novels. But it's just sad that, you know, he wrote this as a coping mag- mechanism so that way he can get over his wife's death because she was actually killed in a drunk driving accident and then he decided to go ahead and write The Crow. And you know, I actually have to say, this movie is really good. You have action in it, you have a love story, you have a revenge teal, you have everything that you want into one movie. And it even has a little bit of a horror aspect as as well to this movie. And if you haven't seen this movie, it's actually on Netflix right now. And matter of fact, this is actually the only movie that I've actually bought on Blu-ray, and then I've also have it on DVD as a double box because it had so much special features at that time. So I winded up buying the DVD set. And I also have a Blu-ray that came out a couple of years ago. But this movie is about a guy named Eric Raven. Eric Raven's in a rock band and he winds up witnessing his girlfriend. Gang raped, getting murdered, and then they wind up throwing him out the window. The uh, this bunch of gang bangers—that's what I'm going to call them. But you know, they they winded up throwing him out the window. Then a year a year since his death, he comes back to life, and everything. And the crow is carrying his soul across the city to try and put the wrong things right. And I have to say. He gets revenge in a big way on this movie. And I love the fact that this movie's a revenge tale. It actually has a perfect blend of a little bit of a comedy as well. I forgot to tell you about that too. There's actually some dark humor into that. And what I mean by dark humor, there's actually a part where he goes into Fun Boy's house. Fun Boy is actually one of the people that raped his girlfriend. And he goes into the apartment window. And Fun Boy is actually high on heroin. He takes the gun... Fun Boy takes the gun and puts it into Eric Draven's hand. Because Eric Draven winds up covering the gun with his hand. And he said, you got me dead. Bang. Next thing you know it, he shoots his hand. And all of a sudden, Eric is over there acting like it really hurt him and everything. And all of a sudden, his hand, the bullet hole, winds up healing itself back up. To show that he's actually immortal. Until he actually has to kill everybody. And then he winds up being a human. But still... Just the whole entire thing. He actually captured the character of the Crow. Of what uh, James Obar has actually done for that movie. And also for that graphic novel by the way. But you know. As I mentioned before. He passed away because of the fact that. One of the the guns on the set. Wasn't a blank or anything like that. And he put it to his head. And he ended up dying. And. I was actually part of the scene and he got rushed to the hospital and he winded up dying. And it just sucks that, you know, someone with so much talent and as young as he was, he wasn't done living yet. And knowing that he actually gave us this one last movie to remember him by. And, you know, I, I love Brandon Lee. I love his father and his movies and everything too. It just sucks though because he could have been... So much more today. I think he would have been working with Jason Statham. I think he would be working with a lot of these action stars even today. And I would, I would love to see what him and Jason Statham would have done. I would love to see him on more martial arts movies and stuff like that because he does deliver that little bit of Bruce Lee essence whenever you look at the way he moves, the way he does his martial arts. Then there's also the other thing that I liked about it too was the guitar. Um the whole entire guitar scene on top of the roof was actually one of my favorite parts for the g- guitar riffs. As a matter of fact, I actually decided to go ahead and learn that guitar riff, minus the fact of me smashing the guitar. But, you know, I really have to say, this movie was one of my favorite movies back when I was 10 years old and seeing it on the big screen for the very first time. And it introduced me into the rock alternative world, into the grunge world. And, you know, I I cannot think of a more iconic movie in 1994, And I know I said 1993, but in 1994 is whenever this movie came out. And this movie is just fantastic. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And I just want to give you some facts about this too. Brendan Lee died of a gunshot wound on March 31st, 1993 at the filming studio in Wyoming, North Carolina at the age of 28. After an accidental shooting on the set of The Crow. In the scene in which Lee was accidentally shot, Lee's character walks into his apartment and discovers his fiancée being beaten and raped by thugs. Actor Michael Massey's character fires a 44 magnum revolver at Lee as he walks into the room. A previous scene using the same gun had called for inherent dummy cartridges fitted with bullets, but no powder or primer. Instead of purchasing commercial dummy cartridges the film's prop crew created their own by pulling the bullets from live rounds dumping the powder car- charge then reinserting the bullets they unknowingly left the lie primer in place at the rear of the cartridge the bullet from the dummy round was already trapped in the barrel this caused the 44 magnum bullet to be fired out of the barrel with virtually the same force as the gun as if the gun had been loaded with a live round, and it struck Lee in the and mortally wounding him. So I'm sorry about saying that it, um, he put the gun to his head and everything. I apologize to that for that, but the shot had provided Lee's stomach tearing several vital organs and causing an internal hemorrhage. Brendan Lee died in the hospital at 1.03 p.m. on March 31st, 1993. Cause of death is listed as GSW of the Adamant. Brendan is buried with his father, Bruce Lee, at Lakeview Cemetery, Seattle, Washington. The shooting was ruled an accident. So, like I said, it's just one of those freak accidents that nobody ever thought of or anything like that. Nothing like this ever really happens on, a, on the movie set whenever... You're looking at, like, accidental deaths. Yeah, you might actually see a stuntman. Um, like, I remember when The Dark Knight was filming, for example. And I remember when someone died on the set. My first thought was Heath Ledger died doing The Joker. Which he did die, but after filming was wrapped and everything else. But there was actually a stuntman that actually died on the set of... The Dark Knight. And I was thinking to myself, well, this goes back to the Brandon Lee thing and how much of a freak accidents actually happen on sets. And we don't expect things like that to actually happen or anything like that. They just do. That's why it's a freak accident. But it just makes me sad that we don't get to see Brandon Lee in any more movies or anything like that because I would love to see what he could do. But with that being said, after I made almost everybody cry... Um, I want to go, I wanna go on ahead and talk about the Ozarks for a minute. And if you're not familiar with the Ozarks or anything like that, it's got Jason Bateman in it. And basically, he's money laundering money for the cartels. He, he The cartels winds up giving him one more chance to money launder money from him. And he goes down to the Ozarks. This is in season one. And so, long story short, they wind up money laundering for them. And in season two, they open up a casino and now it's in season three. It actually starts with them on the casino boat, and a lot of stuff actually goes awry on this on the show and everything. And you know, Jason Bateman's at the point now. His his character Marty wants to actually get out of this whole entire situation. He doesn't want to money launder for the cartels anymore or anything like that. And a matter of fact, his wife pushes him even further into that. Whenever Jason Bateman tells her no. We don't need to be getting involved anymore or anything like that. We have the casinos. We don't need to be getting involved with this other guy who's actually part of the cartels. But is also part of a whole entire drug war that's going on in Mexico. But they wind up getting further and further into it. Then you also have the lawyer who was actually part of the cartels. And she was actually introduced into the second season. And she plays a bigger role in the third season. To the point where she brings her daughter uh, her son and daughter to the Ozarks to get away from everything that's happening yeah, I think either in Chicago or New York and you know they don't have any idea that, that their mother is even part of this world that she's in or anything like that and so that's where that part is for them and then there's this creepy old woman that I wish that they would have actually killed off in the first two seasons but they don't but there's still some tension there there's still some hatred there between Wendy and And her that still hasn't been settled or anything like that. And I'm not going to give out any spoilers as to why I don't like this character. All I have to say is if you wind up watching the show, you're going to find out why. I don't like this character. She's really creepy. She really knows how to get under your skin. She's evil. She's she's just narcissistic. She knows how to get under people's skin, including Wendy's skin. And, you know... I really have to say that that actress actually knows how to play a good character. And I don't mean... I mean her acting ability. Because of the fact that she's able to get under people's skin like that. And I thought that was actually something that she's actually done good with. In the last couple of seasons. In the first three seasons. But, you know... Another thing too is we also have a new character named Ben. Ben is actually Wendy's brother. And I have to say... They do a great job with Ben... Because of the fact they actually go into his whole entire disability of being bipolar. They go into mental health with it. I thought he did a very good job at calling out Marty's BS and also Wendy's BS and everything too. And also too, I actually, I I enjoyed his character. And then towards the end of the season and everything too, he does become a little bit more annoying because of the things that he's done. And what I mean by that is Wendy tells him to wait in the car and stuff like that. And he doesn't. He goes off and does his own thing. And I'm just using an example of what's going on as far as him being annoying. And I'm not giving you as to why she wants him to stay in the car or anything. Because this is a non-spoiler review and stuff. But the bottom line is this. He does a fantastic job. Ben does a fantastic job at giving us the whole entire bipolar disorder and stuff like that the character does and a matter of fact whenever you first see him you're wondering where they're going with this character and that's one of the things I told Tamika uh when we were doing our Keanu Reeves top 10 review when we were talking about the Ozarks and I told her I said one of the things that they do is they do very well they set up their characters like chess pieces they know where to put them and then they introduce new characters and what I like about the fact that they introduce this new character is like, okay, where are they going with this character? What are they doing? How does he fit into this Ozark world and everything, especially with him being a substitute teacher? And at first I thought, okay, maybe this is part of the lawyer's daughter and she's in class and she's being picked on. And then once you find out that that's actually Wendy's brother, and then all of a sudden the light comes on. Okay, that's Wendy's brother. She's, he's visiting her in the Ozarks. He's trying to get away from all the BS that he's, that's actually following him. So that's what's going on with him. And, and to me, I think he also had some stuff also that he needed to unpack and also that he's hiding from Wendy and them as well. But, you know, I thought he did a very good job. I thought the actor did a very good job he played in the iron fist series for netflix and it goes to show you how much of a great actor this guy was and it's nothing to do with the fact that he it was just a missed opportunity for him in iron fist it was just a bad script if you give an actor a good script like the ozarks and everything chances is they're gonna end up knocking it out and that's exactly what he did and i can't wait to see what they're gonna do with season four but there's let me just tell you this if you're expecting a lot of action in the first season, don't. Because of the fact that in the first couple of episodes, it's all set up. It's all built up to introduce the characters for you to get invested in the characters. And then after you get invested in the characters, after the fourth episode, the fifth episode just takes off, off the reels, going all the way through it. And in, thir- in the third season and everything, it has its moments of slowing down. But it also has its moments of picking up. And there's nothing in there that's just filler. It's just everything's there for plot value. And they know where to put their characters and know how to place them in the events that they need to put them in. And if you haven't checked out the Ozarks, check it out. I think you guys might actually enjoy the Ozarks. Because, you know, it took me a while to actually get through the first season because of the fact of how slow it was. But you know, I have to realize too that this is not a movie. This is actually a TV series. And because it's a TV series, they want you to take your time to invest in these characters and so that way you can go on ahead and see what they're going to be doing. See the interaction between the other characters, especially when they're introducing characters. So with that being said, I'm going to go on ahead and drop down to a little bit of movie news. So as I mentioned before, Sony delays Morbius and Ghostbusters Afterlife until 2021. Now, my first reaction is this, why are you not gonna release these two movies onto the streaming? Sur- onto streaming? Especially when we have movies like The Way Back, Onward, we also have Bloodshot that got released, and then a couple of other movies that got released digitally, including The Invisible Man. And, you know, at first I'm like, okay, this might not be a great move on Sony's part because they can actually capitalize, they can go on ahead, put these movies out for like 20 bucks, and make their money back probably with their budget. But then there's also the studio side. Where I can actually understand it from that perspective. Where you have them going. Where the executives are saying. Well you know what. We can benefit more. If we uh, hold. Let's just push pause for a minute. We can go on ahead. Put these movies back to 2021. We can make the money back from our budget. And everything, and we won't miss out on anything because of the fact that they know that they have a home run with Morbius because of the fact that people are sold on that trailer. I know I was sold on that trailer. Morbius is actually one of my favorite comic book villains from the Spider Man universe, and for him to be in his own movie makes me excited. I like the fact that Jared Little has been cast in it, so I'm gonna buy my ticket for next year to go see this movie because of the fact that I've been wanting to see a Morbius movie since it was actually announced for the Amazing Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield. And then they instead, they ended up changing it up to have Jamie Foxx in it and remember the catastrophe with that movie, but it wasn't Jamie Foxx's fault. But what I'm trying to get at is the fact that, you know, I can actually understand from a studio's perspective because they actually want to make their money back. And plus, we are also counting on the overseas box office to actually even everything out to where it comes out even because don't forget the overseas box office also helps us out in the United States too so it's not just on us it's also on the overseas part of um box office and that's also the same thing with ghostbusters the Ghostbusters I have a feeling is gonna break over a million dollars because of the fact that we have the original cast back. We're also dealing with new characters. We have Paul Rudd in the movie. We also have one uh Egon's grandson, I believe, that's actually in the movie. So we actually we have all the OG Ghostbusters in there, all except Egon. And it's just good to actually see a Ghostbusters movie with the original Ghostbusters, again, unlike the, um, the Les McCarthy movie, which I thought was an okay movie, but not a great movie, but you can't actually slap that on a poster and sell tickets and say, well, you know what? The Ghostbusters 2016 movie wasn't that bad. So you can't really go ahead and slap that on a poster. Nobody will go out and see it. But for us to actually have that, for us to go on ahead and have the full cast back again, I'm sold. I want to see Winston again. I want to see Belle Murray again. I want to see where these characters have been all this time and everything. So that's what I want to see. I don't want to see a rehash of the original stuff that they've done. I want to see something new. I want to see something fresh. And I think that's where we're going to get. So we're just going to have to wait and see about what's going to be happening with that but it makes me excited to know that they want to pump the brakes a little bit because they know that these two movies are going to be juggernauts by next year and people are still going to go out and see these see these two movies and maybe by then too maybe we might not be that scared to actually come out of our houses after being quarantined for this long and after this virus has actually passed so we might actually get to be a lot safer a lot smarter we might end up being able to see a movie and not have to worry about anything so let's just see what happens then Josh B- Brolin wa- wants to play Cable again in the MCU you know what Marvel Studios go on ahead put him back as Cable I thought he was the best thing about Deadpool 2 I thought the chemistry between him and Ryan Reynolds was just fantastic I thought that he really shine to that not only that but they also said that they were going to keep Deadpool to well not Deadpool but Deadpool as a R-rated character and keep everything like they had it with the with Fox so why not have Cable in it not only that but Cable is also one of my favorite X-Force characters I'm very attached to his character as well and I'm hoping that they don't change anything I'm hoping that they actually have the same formula that that worked for the first two Deadpool movies And I'm hoping that um, Josh Brolin actually does return as Cable. To me, nobody else can actually play that role but him now. Don't get me wrong. There's other actors that could play him. But right now, Josh Brolin is actually the person that I can actually see in my mind now playing him. At first it was Stephen Lang. And now... It's Josh Brolin that's actually in my mind. Because I know I'm sold on Josh Brolin. I'm actually sold on his performance. So let's go on ahead and see what happens. Sign him up MCU. Sign him up Kevin Foggy. Let's go on ahead and do this thing. Let's go ahead and see what you have in store for Cable. Because you can't go wrong with having the work with the mouth. And also this grumpy old man that wants him to shut the hell up. Because he talks too much. So let's go on ahead and make that happen. <laughs> so anyways... Um, so my final topic that I want to get into is Lock and Key gets renewed for our second season. And this is what I have to say. I enjoyed Lock and Key for season one. I know some people, it wasn't for them or anything like that. But if you're only cut out of it on the first episode, you're only cheating yourself, in my opinion. And what I mean by that is you're not giving it enough time to actually get introduced into the characters or anything like that. Now I can understand if you want to fold your cards and get out of there before uh, after four episodes that's understandable because you're already understanding what the tone is you're understanding the dialogue flow you're understanding what the plot is but in the first episode you're not really getting the full grasp of of what they're doing or anything like that and also too this is also based off of a Joe Hill graphic novel like I mentioned before at the start of the podcast and this is actually Stephen King's son that made this uh, graphic novel. And basically you have these kids who move into this house with their mother after her husband died tragically and they he left her this house. This house actually has keys. Keys in this house have different abilities within this house and then also has a lady at the well and stuff like that and let me just tell you. This has a perfect blend of horror fantasy, sci-fi, everything you want rolled up into one show. The acting ability with these kids is just fantastic. The chemistry just worked all the way through it. It does end up giving you a lot of jump scares here and there. It makes you wonder too of what they're going to be doing for this next season. Because don't forget, there is a twist at the very end of season one. But... I'm not going to get into spoilers with that either. But I'm sold on the fact that Lock and Key is actually going to be coming to Netflix again for our second season. And also, too, it's also got great reviews from other people. Even people that are not even horror fans and everything are enjoying this show. And I even recommend it to people that are big, huge Stephen King fans to go out and check this TV show up, uh, show out and everything, and binge watch it because of the fact that it's just so good. The writing in it is really good. As, like I said, if you're having trouble with the dialogue, if you're having trouble with the plot line at the start of the season at, on the first episode, try and get through that. Because once you get through the first couple of episodes, it just goes spiraling down after that. And I don't mean spiraling down as a bad way, I mean as in the plot gets better. The characters get developed better, and the whole entire movement of the show gets better. And the abilities that these keys do is just phenomenal. And the special effects that they use for a Netflix show is just fantastic. You have one key that actually gives you the power, gives you the power to actually go into your own mind, and there's a door and you can go in that door and you can go through all your memories inside your memory warehouse. That's what I'm basically calling it as a memory warehouse. And you can go through that. You can go through your thoughts. You can do anything you want. And then, you know, there's other keys, other abilities. It's just that that one sticks out a little bit more for me in some way, but you know, that's the only one that I can actually remember off the cuff as of right now. But what was your, one of your favorite keys? If you actually had a key to be able to do anything or take you anywhere, where would you go? Because that's also another thing too. There's actually a key, if you actually think in your mind where you want to go and you turn that key and you open that door, you can go to that place. So where would you go if you had that? Where would you, what, another thing is too, if you had the uh, a key to where you can actually open your mind and go into your memory warehouse. Where would you go? Uh, what what memory would you visit? I'd like to know. Tell me, do me a favor. I'm going to have in the description where you can leave me a voicemail message. Tell me in the voicemail message where you would like to go. Tell me in the voicemail message what memory would you visit if you had the, these keys? Even if it's not these keys in general, tell me what, what key would you like to actually have? Because I'm kind of curious about what you have to say about that. Because I like us to actually communicate as fans and as a host, I want this to be a great community to where we can actually chat about stuff after I talk about. So go on ahead, leave me a voicemail message, and I'll listen to it. And hell, I might even be on the show whenever uh, the voicemail message that you leave me might even be on the next show. So go ahead, leave me a voicemail message. Tell me what you guys think about the show, and I'm also gonna have some other things going on too. As a matter of fact, I'm actually gonna be on another podcast. As a matter of fact, I'm actually excited about this. I'm be I'm gonna be on the Sen Live After Show at seven thirty, uh seven thirty Eastern time, six thirty Central time. And if you don't know what Sen Live is, it's actually Christian Harloff's show of Sen uh, of Sen Live, which is the uh, Smodown Down Entertainment Network, and. I'm just excited because of the fact that I've been following Christian Harloff and Mark Ellis and all those people since the MC days and stuff like that. And finally, I'm going to be on that show on, on May 8th. So May 8th, go ahead, mark that on the calendars for 730 Eastern Time, 630 Central Time. And it's also going to be Hotel Nerd is going to be with me too because I'm also a co-host with him. And he's also the one who winded up helping me get this gig or both of us getting this, this gig. So it makes me excited. I'm excited as anything to make for this to actually happen. So do me this. Smash that share button. Share this with anybody and everybody that loves podcasts and stuff like that. Share it on your Twitter. Share it in the groups on Facebook. Share it around. Tell me what you guys have to, what you guys think, and everything because I like to actually hear what you have to say. And until next time, bye bye.